All right. This, uh, this body of Christ, this church, has got so much talent in it. You know, I received lots of comments about the Christmas Eve service, about how well it was done. And I took all those in, and I, I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. But honestly, it wasn't me that did it. It was, it was so many other people that had anything to do with it. I just kind of showed up with my crew and sat where they told me to sit and say what they told me to say. But it was great, and, and, and so you see any of the technical crew, you let them know how much you appreciate it. And I, I think of these, these folks singing up here, and, and we're just filled with talent, you know, and, and, and we're so thankful that Molly's home for the holidays. She lives down in Florida now, and, and uh, we miss her, and, and, and I love to hear uh, how God is using her down there. Uh, we're going to pick up uh, back with the faith that works when life don't. We're in part 23. And you can go back and look at those if you'd like. It's about principles of living uh, through, a, through a pandemic. We're, we're, we're in the, the book of James. Um, and lots of going on. There's struggles all over our world uh, during the, this COVID. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about vital I mean, viral infirmity, and I told you we're going to be hitting social instability, financial insecurity, and racial inequality, and uh, political, I don't know, irritability, I think. But it's just uh, actually incivility. But we live in a chaotic time, in, in a broken, broken world in tough times. I've been asked so many times, it's just in the last few days, Says Jim, do you think these are the last days? Or people tell me, say Jim, I just feel like the world is coming to an end. And then they say, well, I've even had people say, well, Jim, how do you stay positive with all this 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 negative news in the world? My answer is always this: because I know the end of the story. I read the book, the last book of the Bible, and guys, we win. We win. There, there's no need to be nervous. And so I want to talk today, and this is a faith that knows the end of the story. And I hope that it will relieve some, some tension and anxiety. Four times in the book of James, uh, uh, it reminds us that Jesus is coming back to the earth one day. We, we don't know when, but I know that there's more info in the Bible about Jesus' second coming than, than it was than the Bible tells about his first coming, his birth. So it's important to know about Jesus' return. Let's look at those four verses right quick if you've downloaded your outline. The first one I want to read is James 5, 7. It says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. So we've got to be patient. The next verse, 5, 8, says, do not give up hope because the Lord is coming soon. We have hope. Don't give up that hope. James 2.12 says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged. Then James 5.9 says, The judge is near. He's ready to appear. You see, the first time Jesus came, he came to save the world. The second time that he come, he's going to come to judge the world and reward those who have followed him. 
the judge is near, ready to appear. So today, I want to answer two questions. Like I say, I've kind of been asked for a couple of weeks now. Is, is what will the, day, the last days be like? That's the first question I want to answer. What will the last days be like right before Jesus comes back? Then the second question I want to ask is, how should I prepare for Jesus' second coming? So let's jump into the first question. What will the last days be like? Matthew 24, 21, Jesus said this. There will be great distress in the world at that time, unparalleled since the world began. There's going to be unparalleled stress. Now, to know the details, you can find Jesus' description in Matthew 24. Then Paul gives his description of the last days in 2 Timothy 3. Then Peter gives his description of the last days uh, in Second Peter 3. And, and, and they're long passages, but I, I want to read them, them to you. Uh, so, so bear with me because you and I need to know. And, and, and I believe if, after reading some of these, you're going to think and, and say and, and that some of these are, are going on right now. Let me read you Matthew 24, verses 7 through 14. There will be famines and earthquakes. Luke adds epidemics. In various places, but these are only the beginning of birth pains. You will be hated and hurt because you are committed to me. He's talking to believers. So at that time, many will turn away from me and give up their faith. They will betray each other and do hurtful things. Many teachers of false ideologies will appear and deceive many. Because evil will increase in the world, many people will stop showing love to others. But those who keep faithfully loving till the end will be saved. And the good news of my kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to every nation and group. And then the evil will come. Then the evil will come. Now, does any of this sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds familiar. There's less love in the world. There's, there's less love for Jesus in the world. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3. The last days will be very difficult times to follow Jesus. People will be self-absorbed, thinking only of themselves and money. They'll use their time in prideful self-promotion and enjoy insulting and demeaning others. Kind of sounds like social media. They'll be ungrateful and ignore their parents. Nothing will be considered sacred or holy as they make fun of everything. They'll be unloving and unforgiving and will slander and gossip about others. People will lack self-control of their impulses. Many will be cruel and violent and they will hate everything that is good. People will recklessly do foolish things in pride, be puffed up with ego, be addicted to lust, and love pleasure more than God. They will claim to be spiritual, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Sounds a lot like the social media or, or, or the internet. We push the elderly aside, unloving, lack self uh, uh, self 
unforgiving, lack unforgiving. You know, all of this sounds familiar about our today's day. Let me read you 2 Peter 3, 3. In the last days, there will be mockers who laugh at the truth and ridicule you because they're controlled by their feelings and evil lust. They just want to do every evil thing that they desire. Then Peter describes what will actually happen at the day of Christ's return in verses 10 through 13. The day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief. So since everything we see will one day come to an end, what kind of people should we be? We should live holy and godly lives. Look forward to the coming day of God and speed its coming. We look forward to a new heaven and a new earth that Jesus has promised. A world where goodness lives. Guys, there's coming an end to history. It will be replaced. Well, are we living in the last days? Nobody knows. But we do know this. We're living in the later days. We're living in the later days. It's later than it was 2,000 years ago when this letter was, was written. So it's the later days. We're closer to the return. Today we're closer to the return than any other time in history. We do know that this generation, this generation is working hard and diligently and quickly to finish the task of evangelism to every tribe and every nation so that Matthew 24 will be fulfilled. Let me read that verse 14 again. And the good news of my kingdom <clears throat> will be preached in the world as a witness to every nation and group, and then the end will come. Jesus is not coming back until everyone has had a chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you get it? When that one last person, can you imagine that happening? When that one last person has the option of saying yes or no, and he or she decides, and then boom, here he is. When that one last person has that chance to hear the gospel of Christ, Jesus will return. Three times Jesus says, be ready, be ready, be ready. And so my question for you, are you ready? Are you ready? How do you, how does it, how do we get ready? Well, Jesus tells us how. How should I live in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming back one day? How should I prepare for it? How should it affect the way that I live now? Now. Today, James gives us six practical things that we can do, instructions. They're also repeated in other parts of the Bible. They're, they're preparation for, for the steps, preparation for Jesus' return. Let's jump right in. I want you to get your pencils out, get your pens out, get comfortable at home. 
filling you blank filler enters. Number one, knowing the end of the story, the first thing that you and I should do is this, clean out the garbage in my life. First step we should do to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ is to clean out the garbage in your life. You know, whenever you've got a guest coming to your house, most people anyway, they're going to clean up a little bit. They're going to tidy up a little bit. They're going to hide stuff in the closet. They're going to put stuff under the couch. They're going to sweep real quick. They're just going to straighten up. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is coming. And you want to prepare your life for that event. James 1, 20 and 21 says this. Getting angry at things will never help you live the righteous life God wants. So get all the filth and the evil habits that you've learned. Get them out. Then humbly accept God's word planted in your heart because it can save your soul. Clean out the garbage in your life. Get all of that out. Get all of that out. And, and, and Paul says this in Colossians 3. Christ is our life. And when he comes again, you will share in his glory. So put all evil things out of your life. Sexual sinning, doing evil, letting evil thoughts control you. Wanting things that are evil and greed. This is really serving a false god. These things make God angry. In your past evil life, you also did these things. But now also put these things out of your life. No anger. No bad temper. No doing or saying things to hurt others. And no using evil words when you talk. Did you notice how much of this garbage is an attitude? This garbage in our lives is, is an attitude. So i got to ask you do, you, do you need to make an attitude adjustment? I know I did. To get the anger out of my life. To get the rage away from me. I just had to simply make a, an attitude adjustment. We can do that when we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. And because we know the end of the story, number two is this. Stay close to Christ. That could, that's the second step we've got to do. Stay close to Christ. James 4, 5, 7, and 8 says, The Spirit that God gave to live in us wants us for Himself alone. So give yourself completely to God. Draw close to God, and He will draw close to you. Draw close to God. Regardless of when Jesus comes, that's good advice. Regardless if it's in our lifetime or the next, that's good advice. John says this in 1 John. Continue to live in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Stay connected. Stay connected. Choose to stay connected. Guys, when, there's a, when Jesus comes back, I, I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be a transformation in you and I. Look at 1 John. Yes, dear friends, we're already God's children. But we can't even imagine what we will become when Christ returns. But we know that when he comes back, we'll become just like him. For we will see him as he really is. Oh, man, 
This hope causes us to keep ourselves pure, just as Christ is pure. You know what pure means? Pure means unpolluted. It means, it means unpolluted by the world. That, that we don't live by the world's system or, or, or the world's biases. So don't buy into what the world says are important. Keep yourself pure, unpolluted. Unpolluted. Since you know the end of the story. Let's look at the third step. Use trouble to become spiritually strong. We can all relate to this. Use troubles and trials to become spiritually strong while we're still here. Use our trouble. Use our stress. Use our problems. Use our difficulties to become spiritually strong. James 1 says, you know that troubles test your faith and develop endurance. So let your endurance grow. For when it is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Some of you are saying, I'm ready for anything. It's what you and I should be doing. Using our troubles to build our character. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. May God who makes everything holy and whole make you holy and whole. Put together spirit, soul, and body. Keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Are you put together? Are you, are you spiritually fit? Are you spiritually healthy? Guys, I want to tell you as your pastor, somebody loves you. Use every problem in your life to grow spiritually stronger. Since you know the end of the story. Step number four. Practice loving everyone. Practice loving everyone. James 2.8 says, You will always do the right thing if you obey the most important law in the Scriptures. It is the law that commands us to love everyone as much as we love ourselves. Gosh, practice loving everyone. This is especially important because our world is becoming more hateful. It's becoming more hateful, less patient, more biased, more bitter, more partisan. And if you're going to learn to, to love everyone, you can't demonize people. You can't see the worst of you need to see the potential in them. Got to practice loving folks. We got to stop stereotyping people. All those, all those people that you disagree with, you got to love them. You got to love them. And there's plenty of people that I disagree with. There's plenty of people that disagree with me. And I, I don't mind if you're wrong. The Bible says this, 1 Thessalonians 3, May the Lord make your love grow more and more and multiply for each other and for all people so that you will love others as much as we love you. May your hearts be made strong so that you will be holy and without fault before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes back with all who belong to him. I pray that your love will multiply. I pray that your love will grow. 
I pray that you'll be able to look past those other faults, those other people's faults. I pray that you will stop looking at the splinter in their eye and get out the big honking log in your own eye. Love people. Love people. Mm, all people. When we do that, we learn to love. We learn to love. Now that you know the end of the story, step number five, invest in the bank of heaven. Invest in the bank of heaven. Five times in this short book of James, he emphasizes, James emphasizes God's generosity for us. Everything that we have, <clears throat> that you and I have, is because of God's generosity. All because of God's generosity, we have very existence in this life. And his generosity should make us generous. You know, a rich man once asked Jesus, he says, how can I prepare for, for heaven? Jesus says, why don't you liquidate all your assets and send them on to heaven? Luke 12. Uh, was it Luke 12, 23? Yeah. Jesus said this, sell what you have and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. By getting your treasure into heaven, it will be safe for eternity. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. You know, I, I asked myself this weekend, do, do I really need everything I got? You know, do you, every, do you really need everything that you, that you have? Maybe, maybe we could sell some of it and, 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 and help others who have a whole lot less. Every time that you and I do that, we're stirring up, uh, storing up stuff in heaven. Jesus said that five times. If he said it five times, it must be pretty important. How do you store up treasures in heaven? By giving whatever you got to help people less fortunate than you. Proverbs 19, 17 says, When you give to the poor, you're lending to the poor, and he will repay and reward you for what you've done. God's going to pay us back interest. James gives some specific examples of how to store up treasures in heaven, and I want to tell you what they are. Number one, take care of the widows. Two, take care of the orphans. Three, give uh, food and clothing to the poor. Business owners, treat your employees well. Bosses, treat your employees well. 1 Timothy 6, 18, 19 says, Tell people to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they're storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. You know, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. Uh, over the years, a Angie, Angie and I give away more, uh, try to give away more each year. And I, I can't explain it. And it's not a get rich scheme, but the more we give, the more God gives back. The more I increase my giving, the more he increases the giving to me. It's, it's just, just crazy. But here's what I know. Because by nature, I'm tired. By nature, I want to hold on to it. But here's what I know. Every time I give, 
I break. I break the chains of materialism. Every time that I give, and every time I give, I become more like Christ. Every time. Every time. So we started playing this game with the Lord. I give this, and all of a sudden he gives back. Every time I give, he, he gives me more. I can't tell you, man. Most of you know that, that I don't take a salary here at North Point Church. Never have for 22 years. You know, no one here does. But they say, Jim, why don't you do that? I'll tell you, I found out. Because as I give to God, God blesses me in so many other ways. He just blesses me in so many other ways. I hope when Jesus comes back that day that my giving account is as close to zero as possible. I hope that my giving account is zero. So, so many people want to build up a big, big savings account. Here's what I got to tell you that. Do your giving while you're living. So you're knowing where it's going. Don't wait till you die to give away what God has given you. There's an incredible joy in giving. This is coming from a tight wad. There's incredible joy in giving. Invest in the bank of heaven. Since you know the end of the story. Last step, number six. Use the gifts that God gave me to reach others. You know what? I, I want you to think about yourself for a moment. When God thought you up, he gave you these abilities. He gave you these, these skills, the, these talents. He gave you the ways that you think and, 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 and things that you're naturally good at. God didn't give you these, these gifts for your benefit. He didn't shape you the way you are for your benefit. He didn't make you the way you think. For your benefit. Your gifts, your talents, your skills, they're for the benefit of everybody else. And their gifts, their talents, their skills are for your benefit. They're for yours. My gifts are for your benefit. One of my gifts is, is teaching. And so I teach for your benefit. Yours are for the, the ladies were singing before. I hope they sing it in a little bit. So hang on if they do. They were singing a song while ago. I need you more. I need you more. And, and I just said that I'm, I'm alone in this sanctuary, but not alone. As they sang that song, it just ushered me into the presence of God. And I began to weep uncontrollably. And that's a good place to be. In the presence of God. And he used their gifts for me. Use your gifts for the benefit of someone else. God didn't give them to you just for you. James 4.17 says, Anyone who knows the good he ought to be doing, but doesn't do it. Sins. Let me read that again. I didn't do it justice. Anyone who knows the good he ought to be doing, but doesn't do it. Sins sins 
knowing what you're good at and knowing people in the world probably need your help. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? With the skills that he's given you, with the talent that he's given you. Who are you helping? Who are you serving? 1 Corinthians 1, 4 and 7 says, I can never stop thanking God for all the generous gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, I want to tell you something. You're not going to live right today until you understand your future. And the more you understand that Jesus is coming back, the more motivated that you're going to be to do these six things that James tells us to do. You're going to spend eternity with God. And if you let him save you, you'll spend eternity with him. If you haven't, then we can take care of that today, right now. I've often been asked, Jim, why do you think Jesus is t taking his time to come back? I don't have to answer that. Peter did. Second Peter said, remember, the reason the Lord is waiting is so that people have time to be saved. You won't believe how many times I've heard since, since the election, since COVID, all this stuff. What is Jesus waiting on? This is the worst I've ever seen in the world. What do you think he's waiting on, Jim? The reason the Lord is waiting is so that people have time to be saved. Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish. He don't want to lose anybody. So if you've never been saved, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that today and become part of, of God's family. Like I said in the beginning, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know if these are the last days, but they are the later days. We know when Jesus comes back, it'll be unexpected. That's what the Bible tells us. So I can tell you three things. Be ready, be ready, and be ready. Are you ready? Would you open your life to Christ and do these six things? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you got a plan, and you're in charge of the plan. You're in control of the plan. Lord, if me and a, you know, millions of others were in charge of the plan, we'd already had you come back. But your word says you don't want anyone to perish. That you want everyone to be saved. So thank you, Lord, that you're not just a good, good father, but you're a patient father. Use us. to put the word of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ out. Lord, I look forward to that day. I hope I'm here, but if I'm not, I'll be with you and I'll know about it. But, but when that last person, oh, when that last person hears the gospel, I pray that they say yes. I pray that they say yes. They'll be like the anchor man. He'll bring it up. 
Lord, I can just see the checkered flag. And the waving as he or she says yes. Thank you, my Lord. Oh, I need you more than any other day. Just for the sake of hanging out with you. I got personally, I got no special request for me. Nothing I need you to do for me. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to hang with you. I pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.